I want us just to look for a few moments to a psalm this morning, Psalm 85. And uh, <clears throat> this is psalm for this second Sunday in Advent. And we're, we're talking in these weeks of Advent about waiting in hope. And I don't know if you have that uh, t- series title up there, slide. Do we have that? There you go. Thank you. We're, we're talking about waiting in hope. And... Uh, you know, last week we we uh, we entered into this season of of Advent and this this idea of waiting on on God, waiting in hope it, that that pervades the the Advent season. This idea of of deepening our longing for God, of growing in our desire for more of Him during this season, as we wait, of looking inward. As well, at our own hearts and our own souls. I, you know, when you're waiting, you, you just, you, you create time, you create space. And we, we need to do that. Again, this week, uh, one of the reasons we went to that basketball game yesterday was just because our family was kind of starting to drive each other nuts. Um, no, a little bit of cabin fever, a little bit of cabin fever. We were getting along okay, but it's like before it gets, you know, Ugly. Let's let's just get out and let's see some other people and let's let's experience some other things. And so this week even was a waiting game for a lot of folks and just waiting, waiting. And we know what that feels like. And 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 Advent is a time when we're actually uh, we want that and we're creating that space where we might wait, where we might draw closer to God, where we might look inwardly at ourselves, where we might deepen our own intimacy with Him. And, and, and this psalm again today helps us to think a little bit more about what it looks like to wait in hope during Advent. And especially just what it looks like for us to, what that will, how that will take shape, how that will take form in our own lives on a, on a day-to-day basis, not only in this season of Advent, but in the days to come. How is how is the season of waiting and hope during Advent really practice and rehearsal for how we might live in relationship with God throughout the year? So let's look at it together, can we? Psalm 85, and uh, I'm going to read just the first couple of verses, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 8 and read through to the end of the passage. Can we stand together one more time as I read this? Psalm 85, verses 1 to 2, and then 8 through 13. Lord, you poured out blessings on your land. You restored the fortunes of Israel. You forgave the guilt of your people. Yes, you covered all their sins. Selah, as some of your translations say. Verse 8, I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying. For he speaks peace to his faithful people. But let them not return to their foolish ways. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. So our land will be filled with his glory. Unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth springs up from the earth and righteousness smiles down from heaven. Yes, the Lord pours down his blessings. Our land will yield its bountiful harvest. Righteousness goes as a herald before him 
preparing the way for his steps. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. One of the things that makes this psalm so great for us to look at during the season of Advent is that it is filled with anticipation. It's clear that the God that the psalm writer is talking about here is a God who, who intervenes. It's a God, a God who comes. It's a God who, who makes himself known to his people. It's clear, that, it's clear that the God who this psalm writer is writing about is one who is very interested <laughs> who has been, who is, and who will be very interested in his people and in their well-being. He, he's a God who has, who has acted in the past, and this is the reason for their trust. And, and now in Psalm 85, it appears that new, new issues have arisen, new, new concerns are present, new, new problems have come onto the scene, and and here are some people again who are waiting on the Lord, who are waiting for him to act, who are waiting for him to again interrupt their circumstances and speak and to move fresh issues, fresh urgencies, fresh initiatives are needed. It's a, it's a psalm that's filled with promise. It, it's a time of uncertainty. A lot of uh, tradition and scholarly conven- consensus today um, helps us to think about this psalm as a psalm that was sung in response to the return of the exiles from Babylon back to Israel. They're coming back, and we talked about this even a little bit last week. They're coming back from exile. They've been, they've been sent out of their land, but now they're, they're returning. They're coming back. Forgiveness has happened. The land has been restored, and the people now are waiting. What, what's going to happen? What's it going to look like? What newness will develop amidst all the history, both good and bad? What is going to happen now? We need you, God, to come and to move. We need you, God, to to stir our hearts. And so this psalm really becomes one that we're invited to sing again today. And, And perhaps as the exiles returned, they lifted their voices together in singing this psalm. So we, as we come into the season of Advent, we are invited to, to sort of lift our voices, to sing these, these, these words. And some of them are very, are very passionate, and, and it's all very passionate. Some are very uh, coming, arising from a, a place of great hurt and distress. Some of them are arising from a, great, a place of great hope and anticipation. But we're invited to sing these songs or these words with them. How does this psalm stir us up? How does it shape our waiting during this season of Advent? How does it help us to wait in hope? One of the things that we notice right off the bat in this psalm is that this psalm helps us to remind us that in Advent, we are to remember the mercies of God. We are to remember the mercies of God who has provided for his people time and time again. Look again at verses 1 and 2 if you have your Bible, if you have your Bibles open. Lord, you poured out blessings on your land. You restored the fortunes of Israel. You forgave the guilt of your people. Yes, you covered all their sins. Did you hear those, those action words, those, those things that God has accomplished on behalf of his people, you poured out blessing, you restored the fortune, you forgave the guilt, you covered all their sins. It's as if the people are wanting in these moments to declare their 
their confidence in this one who has acted on their behalf right from the start. And, and what a great lesson they are, they are demonstrating for us. What a great example they are setting for us. What it is that they are able to teach us by this very example that in, in a period of waiting, in a season of anticipating and expecting what will come next, to look back and to, to acknowledge what it is that God has done in the past. One author said this, he said, many of us live between memory and hope. Many of us this morning find ourselves living between memory and hope. He said, we recall what God has done in the past with gratitude, and we hope that he will do it again. (laughs) Psalmist here reflects on a time when God returned Israel to the land, at the same time poured out blessing, at the same time provided for their sinfulness, covered their sins, forgave them. They're not, they're not living in the glory days. There's a difference here. There's, there's a difference between living in the glory days and remembering the blessings of God from the past. I just think that's such a, an important distinction maybe to make. I there's a lot of us that like to live in the glory, you know, myself included. Let's just be honest. It, sometimes just to think back to how it used to be, it's like, oh, yeah. There's lots of things I could say right now about what I used to be able to do. But, but you know, and, and there's a great song, Bruce Springsteen sang it, Glory Days, and I'll never forget it because back when I was in junior high, that song was playing every day on MTV, and it was a baseball scene in the video, and, uh, and it just meant a lot because I was playing Little League, and we had to see that video every day before we went off to our, our game. And I never thought that I would someday become Bruce Springsteen, who was looking back on his days and what used to be in his baseball career, so-called, in this, for the video anyway. But there's a difference between looking back at the glory days and and just longing to return to the glory days. Let's just get back to how it was. Just, and, and looking back to what God had done then so that we might live in the promise of that activity even in the present. And I, that's obviously what the psalm writer is doing. He didn't, he's not, and the, and the people here are not longing for a return to the glory days. They're longing for God to interrupt the situation right now. But one of the ways that we can stir up and create and live into the hope that we can have in, in God is to remember how it is that he's acted in the past. And so we look back not to the glory days, but we look back to how he's acted so that we can have confidence that he will act in the same ways in our current time. And so we, we look back, not to perhaps Bringing back into the land, but we look back to reminders of how He provided for us. And even this week, as we look around at the seemingly the apocalypse that is happening all around us, and we we were reminded that even in moments of real discouragement and despair and darkness, that we can hold on to the reality of who it is that God has been in the past, how it is that he's provided, how it is that he's demonstrated care. And, and I could just even looking around the room this morning, I can, I can come 
face-to-face with story, individual stories in your own lives and in our own lives of how God has acted, how we've seen him, and how we can be confident that he will act in, in the future. We all need to take time to recall moments in our past when God has been merciful to us. What a great practice for Advent. What a great practice as you wait in hope to look back, to think back, to reflect on how it is that God has provided, to think back on His forgiveness, to think back on how He has worked on behalf of our brokenness and our sin to bring us life even now and life abundant. God has been a great provider for us. It's in Advent we remember to look back. It's, it's also, though, in Advent that this psalm wants to remind us that we, that, that we need to be people who are listening for the voice of God. And in particular, I love this psalm because he says, I want to listen for the voice of God. And he says it there in verse 8, I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. I think the season of Advent is, this, is a perfect time for us to train ourselves and to, 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 to grow ourselves into people who are listening for the voice of God who is speaking peace to his people. Peace. Shalom. We, we say it from, from week to week, turn and greet one another and pass the peace of Christ. Don't just shake a hand, shake a hand next to you, but pass the peace of Jesus to one another. Apostle Paul wrote about it in his letter to the Philippians. He, he said, there's this peace of God, this peace that passes all understanding. I'll never forget the first time that that phrase actually came home to me. We were, I was a student in college and we were on a lead week retreat. All the leaders of, at, at our college at Point Loma had met the week before camp, week before school started to go on a retreat to be trained and to worship and to prepare ourselves to, to lead in some capacity that year. And tragically, while we were there, one of our leaders went on a hike and fell on the hike, one of, our, one, of the, one of the faculty members at Point Loma fell and was killed, tragically. And here was a, a retreat center full of student leaders who were learning in those moments what had happened to our dear friend and leader. And as you can imagine, we're in complete shock. I, I mean, that moment, that feeling, where I was and how, how we heard and, and the whole situation is so surreal but so vivid in my mind. And we broke up into just groups of students with other adult leaders and to help us try to process what we were experiencing. And the passage that our group landed on was that from Philippians. May you know this peace, this peace that passes all understanding, this peace that Paul goes on to write about. 
that will guard our hearts and our minds as we live in Christ Jesus. And I remember reading that and just envisioning this peace of God that will guard and protect and, 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 and sustain us in ways that, that we can't even imagine. And when we talk about peace, when the Bible talks about peace, we're not just talking about this, this sort of absence of conflict, this absence of war that we talk about when we, when we use the word in our own day. What we're talking about in the biblical context is that idea of shalom that, that really speaks to well-being or to wholeness. And this is the kind of peace that, that Paul would write about. And this is the kind of peace that this psalm writer speaks to when he says, listen, I'm listening. I'm listening for the voice of the Lord who is speaking peace. And amidst all the uncertainty and amidst all the concern and question and stress and burden that these people were experiencing in the early reading of this psalm, they were to hear this voice speaking peace. And to us today, in the midst of whatever circumstance or conflict or issue or concern that we find ourselves, I just believe that if we'll be attentive, we will hear the voice of the Lord speaking words of peace to us. Not just words that say, I hope you make it, get along as best you can, I'm here for you if you need me, but words that say, I long for your wholeness, I long for your well-being, I long for your shalom, and I'm here to give of myself in any way I can, we hear the Lord saying, so that you might know this. It doesn't mean that all the circumstances will Will, will magically be changed or go away, but in the midst of them that we might know this kind of peace, this kind of wholeness, this kind of assurance and, and, and promise. And we remember that last part of that phrase, though. I listen carefully to what the Lord is saying, for He speaks peace to his faithful ones. There is a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, a, a catch to this peace. The, the, the catch is, is that we experience this peace as we put ourselves in a place to be able to receive this peace. We, we receive this peace as we, as we as we open ourselves up to the voice of the Lord that would speak it into our hearts and into our lives. This psalm that, turns, that talks over and over about the Lord turning himself to us also asks that we would turn ourselves to him. And in this beautiful, this beautiful picture that we might think of, not two faces turned away from each other or one turned towards and the other turned away, but, but two faces turned to each other. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. As we place ourselves in that, in that situation, in that context where the Lord longs for nothing more than to pour out his peace into our lives, then we learn more and more what it is to be faithful, what it is to open ourselves to God Folly was a way of the past. 
The future will be altogether different with the coming of God. We're going to sing this song in just a few moments, actually, and I'm not sure or not if we're actually going to have the lyrics. I don't think we are, so this is good. I, I want to just read them to you, the chorus that you'll hear, that you'll hear sung for you in just a, a short while. Peace be still. Say the word and I will set my feet upon the sea till I'm dancing in the deep. And hear this, peace be still. You are here, so it is well. Even when my eyes can't see, I will trust the voice that speaks peace, peace, peace over me, peace over me. Can we trust that voice that speaks peace over us? And, and, and again, maybe you're hearing that the voice of the Lord speaking well into your life. Maybe it's a little bit clogged up, the ash is in the way or something. But, but I would just, let Advent be a season. Let Advent be a season where you train yourself and where you learn in a deeper level to hear the word speaking, the, the Lord speaking words of peace into your heart and well-being and wholeness. The last thing that I just want to draw out from this passage is this idea that also it, it helps us to think that in Advent, we can, we can immerse ourselves in the glory of God who is present to his people. We can, we can look back and we can be thankful for the God who has cared and provided for his people. We can, we can listen for the voice of God who's speaking to his people. And we can, this, this psalm so beautifully speaks of this God who, who, who is so present to his people that, that our invitation is to, is to simply immerse ourselves in his glory. And this is such a, a concept maybe that we're, we have a hard time with. But look there again at, at verse 9. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. So our land will be filled with his glory. The Shekinah, the presence of God, the glory of God that is filling the land, filling the temple in that place and, and spilling out into the lives and the hearts of the people. Here is the, 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 very, the very presence of God that the people would celebrate and, and recognize. And, and the psalm writer goes on to speak about this, this presence. Um, in verse 10, unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. And I know that lots of us, that was the verse that we were drawn to when we read this scripture earlier. Because anytime the Bible talks about kissing, we're like, yeah, I, I like that. Um, but but what, what the psalm writer is doing here is just very poetically speaking about who God is. He's not, he's not giving us a kissing lesson. He's talking to us about who God is. God is these very things that he's spoken of. God is unfailing love. God is truth. God is righteousness. God is peace. This is, this is the personification of who God is and how he is at work and on the move into our lives and into the world. This is what his presence uh, contains, when we talk about the presence of God, we're not talking about just some sort of ethereal, like floating around kind of presence. We're talking about the presence of, of faithful love. We're, we're talking about the presence of, of truth. We're talking about the presence of, 
of righteousness. We're talking about the presence of peace. Here is this glory of God that has, has, has come upon the people. The salvation of God is near for those who fear him. Our land is filled with his glory. And here's this beautiful, this beautiful reality that we can grab onto is that the glory of God is all around us even today. And the salvation of the Lord is near and that his glory is, is all around us. In fact, when we, when we think about the glory of God now, he, just look around at each other. And in this place, the glory of God is dwelling within his people. And as we gather on this crazy day in this wonderful place, we recognize that, that God's glory is here. That God's glory is among us. That God's presence is real to us. And in that presence are these realities, his unfailing faithful love, his truth, his righteousness, and his peace. And not only is his glory present in us as we gather together, but, but, but it's present in you when you are giving yourself to him. When we are, when we are coming when we are fearing him, when we are reverencing him, when we are trusting in him, God's glory is filling our lives and our hearts as well. And so our invitation is to learn to just more deeply immerse ourselves. And I don't know what that will look like for you. I, I love this little picture, this park bench with this leaf here and this idea of just waiting but again, a great practice for us during this Advent might be when we find ourselves kind of waiting instead of pulling out our, our phone and checking the fire updates, which we've all been doing this week, and you might need to still do some of that, but instead of doing that all the time or some other sort of mindless activity, what if in our moments of waiting we were simply to say, God, I acknowledge your presence right now all around me, and I simply want to immerse myself, and this might get a little bit more than we want to think about, but I want to immerse myself in your unfailing love. I want to immerse myself in your truth and in your righteousness and in your peace. I want to just to know what your glory is and to immerse myself within it. This, uh, this, this passage is, is a, a beautiful, soaring poem really, to the qualities and characteristics, to an essential description of who God is. One, uh, one author spoke of this unfailing love and truth and righteousness and peace as, as agents, as generals of God that he sends out into the world to represent him and to be him as personifications of who he is and representations of who he is that go out into the world and reach and extend his presence and his glory even into our lives. And it's, it's this beautiful sense that God is reaching to us with his love today, that God is reaching with his truth and his righteousness and his peace. It's... Uh, one author said it like this. I like this quote. He said, the devil is the great disruptor. He's brought disharmony to the universe, but God brings harmony. And in these verses, four great attributes of God meet together. Love, truth, righteousness, and peace. And then 
here's what I was referring to, like conquering generals, they march side by side to a victory that is the sure and certain hope of God's people. We, um, we know something of this redeeming God. Most of us have had some encounter, some, some sort of interaction, some sense of God's restoring work and redeem, redeeming work in our own lives. We can look back. We can see his faithful activity on our behalf. But if we are honest, we, with this psalm writer, with those singing this song, speak the words of verse 4 that we didn't read when it says, now restore us again, O God. No matter what we've experienced in the past, we come today again saying, restore us again, O God, of our salvation. We need God to come again. We need Advent. Yet again, we know that restoration and redemption lies within the hands and the power of this God, this one who speaks into our midst. And so we lean forward. We lean forward today, expecting and anticipating, remembering, listening, immersing ourselves, recognizing this God who comes is coming to us even invite our worship team to come on up here. And as we sing this song that I mentioned earlier, I'd invite us just to enter in. And I'm just going to let us remain seated, I think, as we sing this. And as our worship team leads us, I just want you to listen. And as you're able to, join in in singing, join in in worship. And let's allow God just to speak into our hearts and into our lives, even now. Now come and pray for us.